Tesla's launch of its Cybertruck has sent the hype around electric vehicles into a fresh frenzy. But in reality, where are we in terms of the mass take-up of EVs? One thing is certain, though. Elon Musk is radically changing our perceptions of the future of transport. You're listening to the Business Extra podcast, coming from the Nationals newsroom in Abu Dhabi. I'm Mustafa Al-Rawi, Assistant Editor-in-Chief. A little later on, we will talk to Yun Shi Wang, director of the China Center for Energy and Transportation at UC Davis. For now, let's start with Tesla and the hype around the Cybertruck. Um, Kelsey Warner, the future editor of The Nationals, with us. Hi, Kelsey. Good to be here. Hello. So what's your feelings? For Not thoughts. I, I want to begin with what are your, what are your feelings, feelings about Tesla's Cybertruck? Uh, okay, I think it is... No thoughts, feelings. I feel that... It's a mystery to me, honestly. Like, what am I looking at? So How it's is it going? You feel confused? I feel confused. It's okay. like it, you, you look at it and you're like, what am I looking at? How does this push the technology forward for Tesla? They seem to, with this, be making almost a more superficial play of reinventing the look of a car rather than maybe focusing on advances in automation, advances in battery technology. They have only pushed the needle on both a very small amount with this announcement. But they've pushed the boundaries of very far away on what a pickup truck will look like. And that is maybe exciting. So I feel excited yeah. and, and disturbed <laughs> okay. following the Confusion, Tesla launch. Excitement, I'm not confused because I'm I, confused. I understand what Tesla are trying to do, which is it's all it's all about hype. Mm. So 150,000 orders already in, in a matter of days. Well, 150,000 $100 refundable deposits which I think is a really interesting distinction in terms of this Tesla strategy. But it's still potentially $100 down the tubes because nobody's clear on when these will really come off the assembly line. Exactly. They say 2021, but we'll see. And also the prices are only indicative at the moment. They're not sure what the cost will be to actually mass produce them. So your $100 to, to say, essentially $100 is to basically say, I'm a member of the Cybertruck pre-order club. Right. I am signed up for emails. Exactly. It's and to be able to tell people, to I've, I've ordered one. I've ordered one. Yes. And um, it seems to me that you're kind of kicking the can down the road two years from now, hoping you might have $40,000 in the bank to order the base model. Um, but it sounds like the truck itself, if you want all the bells and whistles, will double in price. $70,000 at the top end. quickly, for yeah. three motors, 500-mile range, 40000 for a single motor, 250-mile range. Right. So a truck at the base model that looks something slightly worse off than the Ford F-150, which is one of the best-selling models, or on the top end, something that could, you know, eat F-150's lunch. So it's kind of an interesting... And and to contextualize it, the Ford F-150 was a phenomenon, massive, massive sales. I mean, tens of millions of units, particularly in the US. Mm -hmm. Every car manufacturer wants an F-150. But... Essentially, one of the limitations for electric vehicle manufacturers was their inability to produce the range of vehicles that that regular manufacturers could do. And so also the exciting, the really exciting thing that Tesla has done here is transformed almost the the branding and marketability of an electric vehicle. It looks so drastically different from the EVs we're used to seeing. Stainless steel. Yes. So it literally looks like a DeLorean. If Mm -hmm. people know the DeLorean from the Back to the Future series, like that finish. Mm-hmm. You can put paint on it, apparently, but they didn't have a painted one at the launch. It's stainless steel, bulletproof windows. 
it looks like if anyone's seen the movie Interstellar, there are these sort of stainless steel robots yeah. in Interstellar. It looks like the cousin <laughs> of one of those robots. Yeah, it's sort of dystopic. He promised sort of a um, Mad Max situation, and that's what he delivered on stage. Um, but, you know, where are the rearview mirrors? Where are the... <laughs> But I think that's the point of Tesla, and this is why I'm disturbed. So if, if the disturbing part of this is Tesla, and why I understand it, Tesla, very good at, at marketing, very good at launch, very good at getting people excited about the, the idea of an electric vehicle. And a lot of car sales, car purchases are about marketing. It's about how you feel, what kind of car you drive. Yes, money is a factor. How much do I have to pay? Mm -hmm. But there's a reason why BMW, Mercedes, all these marks are very successful because it's also about a feeling that's evoked. Sure. So Tesla's got the excitement. If I'm sitting in a cafe in a European city and a Tesla drives by, everyone's head turns. These days, Lamborghini, not so much. But they've got that right. I think that's true, Yes. But in reality, about where we are with electric vehicles, you know, the actual reality of what's the market, what's the take up, what's the actual sort of viability mm -hmm. of electric vehicle, Tesla tells us nothing. Right. Because they're still so small. And I think what they're doing now are almost concept cars that they're bringing to a small market. Um and yeah, with the with the Cybertruck, I I do wonder. They've said two hundred thousand in the first year. Analysts say they won't do fifty thousand. Based on the experience of the Model X and the and the Model Three, and the right? Model and maybe S. this has broken the mold so much that you know, Elon Musk will surprise once again. He's shown that he's capable of oh, doing he'll that. Surprise? Yeah, exactly. For sure. <laughs> One way or another. I mean, I think the share price dropped six percent after the failed uh, testing of the bulletproof windows when his de <laughs> Tesla's design director threw steel balls. A nation just face palms. Yeah, I basically. Mean, the video went viral, which is one of the reasons why we're talking about this. I mean, the, the, over the weekend, this launch, everybody saw the mm. fail. And now, and because Tesla is considered somehow, you know, a demigod, um, he doesn't make mistakes. Everybody was speculating that this fail was actually engineered to I fail. I did wonder if it was no, an orchestrated no. um, something or other. No, I think this is where we get carried away. This is the disturbed well, part. Tesla, make, um, Elon Musk makes mistakes. But, we know that. Right. But even, you know, it's sort of like watching Jennifer Lawrence fall up the stairs at the Oscars. You're like, did she really fall or was she? <laughs> um, with the Cybertruck... The imagery of having sort of this almost like what looked like bullet holes in the windows on the stage, it was such a dystopic, odd, futuristic kind of like tableau. It really felt to me like it was almost an intentional um, photo op. But the dy dystopic visions typically of the future have analog technology being repurposed. Yeah. So this is supposed to be sort of the high end of digital technology here. And what they've done is basically thrown a ball at a window and yeah. shattered glass or actually I, shattered the I, steel. And glass. I think I think part part of I think part of the magic of a Tesla launch is you don't know what's gonna happen. And the gasps from the crowd and everyone had their phone oh, up. Oh yeah, this like the screaming. Yeah, the ooh, the <laughs> yeah. ah. Um it, it's it's a little bit insane. And I equate the idea of putting down $100 for a car that you don't know if it's going to be built or not. Um, it's it's sort of borrowing a little bit from off-plan property purchases. You, you, you put down your money for something that's supposed to come in the future because you kind of believe that somehow there is a, enough of a, an, an interest, of a future interest 
that is going to make it more valuable or is going to you know make make it come to fruition mm-hmm. and we all, we've all seen what happens when the hype overtakes reality in off-plan property sales and in the same the same token i i'm always worried because I, fundamentally i think we all agree that if everybody is driving an electric car five to ten years from now, it's better for the planet, generally speaking, even if there are issues over rare mm-hmm. earth elements and how the batteries are, uh, are made. But generally speaking, we all agree it's better. Can this sometimes be counterproductive? Does it put a lot of people off to have this kind of Hollywoodization yeah. of, of electric vehicles? I mean, Elon Musk, he's such a disruptor, and this is sort of one genre of disruption is to be sort of this rock star status, like can't be bothered with the details type of an archetype. And so that's sort of what we're getting with this new model. And yeah, I kind of, of course, I wish that there were other competing brands like Tesla that were maybe more thoughtful about sustainability or charging, you know, a little more detail oriented on um, what will make this good for the planet and not just, you know, will Justin Bieber drive this? So like just- so the, you're right. And the infrastructure. So re- this week also Dubai announced an extra year of free charging mm-hmm. for electric cars. This is the kind of thing that will actually grassroots help the take up of electric vehicles. And the electric charging network in the UAE is really impressive, um, I think, by any standard, not just regional. Um, and the incentives that they've put in place, I don't think enough people know about them. Um, and I do think they're making concerted effort. So, yeah, it is kind of interesting. Dubai and Tesla are maybe meeting halfway on on details and then pizzazz. Yeah, it's a nice uh, sort of intersection between sort of the realities of owning an electric car, which is range anxiety, you know, how far can I travel for a charge and actually being able to charge whenever you want. Um, and you need to kind of resolve those issues for there to be mass take up plus price. I mean, you know, seventy thousand dollars is not is is not a little amount of money. Mm-hmm. And but the other thing of this whole idea of range anxiety. I mean, Elon Musk made headlines last month for claiming he had dis- he had they had created the a million mile battery that was going to give just sort of this much broader range and then have a much longer shelf life. Really good for the environment. Kind of showed off, but a, a bit of his like scientific bona fides. And I wish he would kind of lean more on his mad scientist, less on his marketing wizard personality a little more. I mean, the other thing, too, is that the Cybertruck was unveiled in the shadow of the Falcon 9, uh, which I thought was kind of an interesting detail, which shows really um, how much Elon Musk has done just in the last five or 10 years and how um, what amazing feats of engineering they can accomplish. But the Cybertruck, to me, was just sort of a different thing altogether well it, it underlines the trends and yeah and so you, you have like the conventional car makers we call them that now vw i mean you know there's a lot of innovation in conventional car makers so it's a bit it's a bit unfair but they're always going to pale in comparison as you said to the mad scientist idea of of, of the craziness that the likes of of, of tesla are putting out there but vw volvo other marks are saying you know within a few years our entire range will be electric right you and won't be able to buy and for the a petrol most part, car. Right. They've all come out with some sort of concrete target of 2022, 23. And then they also have levels of automation targets as well. So this EV phenomenon is developing in tandem with driverless vehicles, which is kind of an interesting relationship that we're seeing. Well, this is it. Because the question mark won't be five years from now, should I buy a petrol car or an electric car? It's, should I buy a car at all? Right. will actually be, will I even need to buy one if there's 
you know, automated fleets and ride sharing uh, is ubiquitous. Do I even need to own one if I can just access a vehicle whenever I want? Mm -hmm. So the electric cars are much more in tune with that shift right. than, and, than petrol cars. And more urban mobility, this idea of being kind of an urban traveler and not somebody who needs to drive, you know, hundreds of miles to get to work or go see family or something. It's a different different type of buyer, I yeah. think. I like Rivian. Rivian are another startup that are developing an SUV. They're backed by Amazon. And their truck looks a bit more like an F-150, a bit more classic, classic lines. Which is, so to me, Rivian is trying to sell an electric pickup truck to typical pickup truck buyers, to the 55-year-old While Tesla's dude. creating a new and a whole category. A whole new category. And maybe the 25 to 40 age demographic who was looking at pickup trucks and saying, those are gas guzzlers. How do I, you know, I can just rent a van when I need it or something. Um, he's creating a whole new segment where this is actually kind of, it thumbs the nose at typical pickup truck drivers who are gas guzzlers. It's sort of like the okay boomer type <laughs> type vibe of, I. so in that way, I think that the sales strategy could be quite strong. So if we if we get away from sort of the the, the sexy vibe of Tesla and, and these vehicles, and we look at the actual realities, so the, potentially the biggest EV market is China. Um, you have BYD; they're building electric vehicles. They're a growing market. I mean, for many years now, uh, the, the other car makers for the, for petrol cars have been seeing China as the most important market, which it, it will continue to be in all likelihood. But generally speaking. India was supposed to be the big thing for car makers, but demand is not panning out the way it was expected. You know, that's consumer trends changing. That's a reflection of sort of economic realities. But in China, it looks like it really will be a fundamentally important market for the take-up of EVs. Right, because culturally, they've actually made the shift. And I think India, I mean, what they're going through right now with their air pollution issue we may sooner rather than later have this cultural shift and that kind of mind shift that's required to get EV take up. The U.S. had it. China's gone through it. And so maybe now India will see the timing is kind of finally lining up. Well, we want to get a, a sort of a picture from somebody who, who does this day in, day out. Um, Yun Shi Wang um, is the director of the China Center for Energy and Transportation at UC Davis in California. We have him joining us down the line from the West Coast of the US. Let's hear what he has to say about where China is right now in terms of the EV market. We, we are in a quite good position right now. I think a few years back, people... Uh, sort of suspect that China could reach that uh, large sales. But right now, we, we, are, we are on track uh, to reach the goal of about 7% next year. It's, uh, this year is a little bit disappointing, but all in all, we're still on track. So uh, globally, I think, in fact, we have seen some uh, countries have achieved 50% in new sales, like Norway, right? Norway is 55%, uh, including PHEVs. And the Netherlands, I think, achieved maybe 6 7% in new sales. In California, first half of the year, it's uh, approaching 8% in new sales. So it's very encouraging. 
So that's the broad picture right now. So, I mean, your area of expertise is energy and transportation. So, the the like, where, what's the intersection here between, um, you know, the the take up of the more broader take up of of, of a, a different energy mix, including clean energy uh-huh. and transportation? Yeah. So, where, how are they linked? Yeah. Okay, so out of China, in uh, in the three countries I mentioned, Norway, uh, Netherlands, and California, obviously, not a country, a territory. Uh, the three places, they all have very high percentage of renewables. In California now, basically, they already have uh, have got rid of the coal in the energy mix. And the target is to reach maybe, I think, a 35 36% by 2020 next year uh, with the renewables. So the, the so the energy upstream energy is very clean. So if you are run on electricity, it's very good. Do In you, China, we have done some uh, life cycle analysis right now, and uh, and we believe that uh, even electricity, even with some of the coals in the mix, because it's efficient, so it's still polluting less in terms of uh, CO2 emissions, uh, but. In the long run, there will be more renewables into the Chinese generation mix. So it's it's also a very good picture. Yunji, can you explain to me a little bit what the relationship is between a higher higher proportion of uh, renewable energy in the upstream mix to consumer behavior? How how does you know high levels of renewable zero coal in California affect you know people who are considering electric vehicles? Oh, California is a, is a good example because uh, uh, in the 1950s, 60s, California's air was bad. Uh, Los Angeles was a very, very, uh, very bad. Uh, people had couldn't open their eyes. They have watery eyes. They even had a lot of uh, uh, lung diseases, asthma, all sorts of things. And then they started to clean up the air, uh, various means, including the introduction of electric vehicles. So with that, people start to link them uh, from transportation, link the transportation uh, with the upstream renewable energies. So so right now they're looking at both ways. They look at more driving more electricity vehicles, and then they are pushing for more renewables in the generation mix. So, so it's good for uh, for transportation as well as for generation. And during your studies, how have you seen a sort of shift in the understanding of what um, the electric vehicle market? will bring i mean is it been a, a a straight line in terms of what you're saying development uh, cleaner energy better well for well-being in general and then naturally that progresses to electric vehicles or is there something now that is to do with um consumer thinking or education or perhaps even the way the business models are changing um for for car manufacturers that is is kind of helping us to have a bit of a an acceleration of take up at the moment yeah i think right now it's still uh, we're still at the uh, the beginning of this new paradigm uh, people in California, as well as in Norway and the Netherlands, people mostly are younger and well-educated, 
uh, with higher income as well, usually they uh, really look at the, the environment as the major benefits. But in California, we can also see that, uh, especially Tesla Model 3, it's not like people uh, buy all kinds of electric vehicles. The other vehicles, vehicles made by other companies, are not doing well. Only Model 3. So there is a linkage between futuristic technology and the sales of the electric vehicles. So, so uh, environment is one factor, and the other is really uh, the linkage of uh, the, the new technology. People take uh, Model 3 and Model S as, as if it were iPhones, you know, kind of thing. So you're saying it's more of a, like almost a prestige brand and that they're buying into the marketing as much as they're buying into – or the marketing and the technology as much as they're buying yes. the car. Yes. Isn't that, isn't that the same so as, as – That's why it's uh, concentrated in California, especially in Northern California. Because they're at the, they tend to be at the front of trends when it comes to technology. Is that right, Silicon Valley? Right. Yeah. So if uh, you know, if my neighbor has a Model Three or Model S, I will have to buy it because to show that I'm also a very uh, uh, successful and futuristic <laughs> person. And and how do startups? I mean, particularly in China, when it comes to startups working on on EVs. Will they will be, they be the ones sort of pushing us forward, or is it going to be the the bigger manufacturers? Do you think? Um, I would say I would say the new ones. The new ones are really pushing up, but uh, I would also including BYD as you know it's also a rat, relatively new company, uh, but it's not not just five years young. It's a, it's about ten years old. So, uh, but if we include BYD, there are new startups, and there are many new start- newer startups founded by uh, IT companies, owners of the IT companies. So they they look at the Tesla, I think, as their model, and then they they want to chase that dream. Can you explain to me a little bit what the technology development variation is between companies? Like, what is actually being worked on, and where is, where are you seeing the biggest levels of difference among startups and le- legacy brands? The new startups, the startups, uh, technology from the startups, including like uh, especially Tesla, is that uh, they they tend to be uh, linked, networked with the consumers. So what we like, I also have a Tesla Model X. What we like is, uh, you know, they update almost every day or every week. So you feel like you're using iPhone or you're using uh, a, a MacBook, you know, a computer. And you, when you say update, updates. you mean it's the software update on software, how software. the car yeah, itself and, is and working. They, somehow, they, it's not just the software. It's also from, I, I, you know, I personally I didn't feel that distinctly, but I read uh, in the blogs by people that they felt that the software changed also change the behavior of cars, make the car better, smoother, uh, in terms of the brakes, a few, I think last year there was a criticism of uh, Model 3 that took too long to brake, and then he just updated, uh, Tesla just updated the software, and then it brake 
perfectivity. So yeah, it's matching what consumers are doing every day with their other devices. Essentially, the car is become, right. becoming an right. extension of these consumer devices that we're used to. And and to that point, I mean, a lot of other future trends like automation, for example, they say will dominate the transport sector. Are electric vehicles better positioned to be to to take advantage of um, automation in the future than than petrol vehicles? Yes, definitely, because uh, uh, the drivetrain is electrified, so it's easier to handle. Where we use the old uh, combustion engines, it's hard to automate to uh, give command and you know. Uh, 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 Manipulating the vehicles with the, with the, with the uh, electricity uh, and, and electronic signals, it's much easier. And I, since all those new startups, including Tesla, are, made, uh, are started by uh, IT, in, you know, oriented engineers, so they tend to be more focused. It's just different. So we have worked with uh, BMW. They have. Very nice i3 cars, but uh, we could see the difference. Uh, Tesla seems, you know, they they directly linked to consumers, uh, and it's very convenient for consumer to use. So, with the Tesla Cybertruck, can you explain to me what what the cyber is in this truck? What is the what are the so, what are the <laughs> steps no forward? You have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea, but it just looks, you know. You it looks say, like a Cybertruck. Yeah, it looks like weird, but it looks futuristic. So I guess it, I, I have the feeling that it's struck chord with many younger, again, futuristic consumers uh, that this guy is different from F-150, you know, Ford or these old, boxy, big, boxy cars, the sure. trucks. They, I mean, they've achieved a 500-mile range, supposedly, with this new model, and you can buy a package for automation or self-driving. Does this push the yardstick a little forward, or is this kind of more of the same tech-wise from Tesla? I think in terms of the range, obviously, 500 would be more than the most of uh, the Model 3 would offer. Right. So uh, it's pushing forward because expected some people would buy it and go to the mountains, I guess. So we'll have a longer range requirement. Uh, in other area, in terms of automation, uh, I think it, it's, it's the same system. But it will be better if it comes in, a, in two years' time because, you know, right now you have half a million autopilot-enabled drivers around the world functioning as guinea pigs for Elon Musk to give feedbacks of their pilot autopilot system. You know, they're volunteer. It's not like they're unwilling uh, to provide feedback so that by two years, I think the system will be even better. What level of automation would you expect in the system two years from now? Uh, I could only say it's better, but I... <laughs> In terms of it's really drive like humans, I suspect it may take much longer. Better than humans, hopefully. But uh, on the highway, I think it will be much better. We, we have seen the significant improvements of uh, Tesla cars on the highway uh, with, with the automation. Yun Shi Wang from UC Davis, yes. thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, it was really interesting talking to you. And um, 
definitely we'll we'll hopefully have another conversation in the future where we'll see where the EV uh, take up has gone, not just in China, but in the rest of the world as well. So thanks for talking to us from California. Thank you. Uh, Kelsey Warner, the National's Future Editor, thanks for being with us today. Thank you. Before we finish, here are the other stories you need to know about on the national.ae. Utility, the Emirates Water and Electricity Company, received bids for a planned 2 gigawatt solar photovoltaic project being developed in the Al Dafra region. Abu Dhabi property company Imkan is further expanding its portfolio in Morocco with a 571 million dirham mixed-use project in the North African country's capital, Rabat. And the UAE is once again the most prosperous Arab nation and retained its rank in the global top 40 through continued improvements in its business environment. That's according to the latest Legatum Prosperity Index. That's it for today. If you've enjoyed the show, please do subscribe on whichever platform you use for your audio content and do leave a kind review by all means. All that remains to thank our production team, Arthur Edison and Aisha Khan, and you all for listening. Please join us again next time.